What's good, guys? It's your host, Adrian Evans. Welcome to the Black Wealth Media Podcast, where we dive into the stories of black entrepreneurs and we talk about how we can create wealth and build legacy within the black community. Let's get into this episode. Today's episode is sponsored by SC Cosmetics. SE Cosmetics is a brand that was created by Samari Evans, a certified chemist. The brand consists of natural makeup products such as lip balms, eyeshadows, lipsticks, lip scrubs, and many other natural products. Shop at secosmetics.com or come visit in-store at 3710 Renoda Road, Winston-Salem, NC 27106. Hello. Hey, Yes, Adrian. Hey, did I say your name right? Yes, you did. Did I say yours right? So it's actually Adrian. It's like Adrian with an I. Got it. Adrian. I love that name. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You ready to get started? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. Uh, What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wolf Media Podcast, guys. I have a special guest. Her name is Akosua Casaberry. She is the owner of I Am Akosua LLC. Um, and she also does multiple things. Akosa, why don't you go ahead and give everybody a little bit of background on yourself? Yes, absolutely. So hello, everyone. Um, as Ijean said, my name is Akosa Casaberry. I am the founding CEO of Amakosawa LLC, which is a publishing firm uh, based in the Bronx, New York. We help our clients turn their manuscripts into books. Uh, we also, um, you know, deal with everything editing writing related like personal statements uh resumes and cover letters grant proposals uh dissertations and everything in between uh we were founded in um november 2018 so i'll be celebrating our three-year anniversary at the end of this year um i'm a mom um, to my amazing, you know, our amazing little daughter, uh, Madison Cassavery, and um, my husband, who I'm sure uh, you are familiar with, oh, yeah. interviewed him yeah. before, Trevor Cassavery, who um, owns his own business as well. So, yeah. That's what's up, power couple. <laughs> Most definitely, that's what's up. So tell me, Coastal, like, how did you get into uh, self-publishing? Wow, yes. Okay, so... Oh, man, I got into self-publishing after I got fired while I was uh, pregnant with my daughter. So I was a office administrator for an engineering firm. And, um, you know, once I got laid off, um, I pretty much it was, it was like um, it was the next thing to do. Um, I, I, I even just, you know share that whole situation but basically um once i got fired i i didn't know what to do um you know and my my husband sat me down um we sat down and we talked and he asked me you know what are you gonna do what are you gonna do um and in the back of my mind i i wanted i knew that writing it was a it was the right time to write a book i had written a senior thesis a senior thesis project in college and it was a collection of poems and um i decided to basically dust it off work on it and um publish it so that's how i got into self-publishing 
Okay, okay. Now tell me, like, you know, when you first heard those words that you were fired, like, what was immediately going through your mind? Oh, man, I was in shock. Um, yeah. I couldn't even believe what was happening. But um, I will say that leading up to that day, I was having a difficult time at work. Um, yeah. And um, everything kind of happened and it was it just it was in my face and I couldn't ignore it. But um, I remember going home um, on a long train ride and I was just feeling so many different ways, so many different ways. Yeah. And then at some point, I just, you know, I felt indifferent about the whole situation, um, because if I'm being honest, I wasn't fulfilled with that job that I was doing. Um, yeah. And so I had to, you know um make the decision on if I was going to go back into the corporate world um or or not and yeah. um what played a, a a role in that decision was um I actually after I got fired I actually was um looking and applying to jobs and um you know I wanted to be honest about my situation because um you know, a, a, a few months later, so, uh, I'll, I'll be on maternity leave. And that's a lot for a company to take on coming in. Yeah. Um, and so all of those factors started to play a huge role. And I didn't realize how difficult um, or challenging, you know, that task was going to be of getting a new job. So yeah. I was just pushed into, you know, self-publishing. And um, it actually really stuck. Um when I sat down with my husband, we realized that my primary skill set was my writing and editing skills. And so, you know, he was like, okay, if you're going to write this book, you, you know, we don't want you to be the cliche struggling writer, which is real, very real. And yeah. I didn't want that. I didn't want that for myself either. So he was like, you're going to have to have the business around it so that that's not the case. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's how I, um, you know, basically transitioned from being fired, which was really traumatic. I mean, yeah. you know, let me even just share, like I was, oh man, it was stressful. Um, it was hard to talk about finances for, for a while. Yeah. Um, it was just a sore, sore sensitive topic for me and I was pregnant. So, you know, that's additional hormones. And um, I just couldn't handle that conversation for a while. It took me some time to pull myself together to be able to hold that conversation without being triggered. So right. it was definitely traumatizing. Um, uh, I didn't expect it to be because I had been laid off before, you know, with the temp world, you just never yeah. know. I was in temping for a whole year before I got um, that position as an office admin and I had been let go. But like this situation was just different. Um, cause I, I right. left, you know, with that trauma. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when, um, when you started your business, uh, what was that process like for you? Was it, was it something that was difficult? Were you able to be like resourceful or did it take a little mm. while for that to just take off? Yes. Oh, that's a great question. I definitely, um, was very resourceful, very resourceful. Yeah. So um, one of my friends actually, you know, she was like, girl, you need to apply to unemployment because um, I don't know, I, 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 I probably had a stigma around it, right? And yeah. I wasn't really sure. It was just a new territory, all of it. So she was like, girl, you need to apply for unemployment. So I was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and do that. So I did. 
and um, I qualified for it. And that's how we were, you know, I was able to, you know, contribute in that aspect and I was helping us. So while I was on unemployment though, you know, you have to show proof that you're applying to jobs and stuff like that. And I'm pregnant. So it just wasn't ideal. So then one day I get an email from um, the, you know, New York state of unemployment and they have an entrepreneurship program that uh, we can apply to. So I applied to that program. It was called SEAP and um, I got accepted. And at that point, it was so perfect because you didn't have to um, show that you're applying to jobs every week. What yeah. you, what, what I had to do was um, I had to get a business mentor and coach and um, I had to, you know, take a course that is entrepreneurship uh, driven and, and um, focused and just make sure that I have my paperwork from the um, program in um, on time. So yeah. um, the route that I chose and my husband found um, Andre C. Hatchett. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him or not, but um, Andre C. Hatchett, he owns a mobile notary company. And, um, you know, my husband, we were talking about it and, and we were like, OK, this this might be a possible uh, route for you to go. Um, and this was in addition to working on my books, right? Because I'm I'm writing. I'm not actually yeah. um, uh, published yet. But, you know, this is what I had to do to be able to, um, you know, sustain unemployment because they still want you to be doing something. So um, I took his notary uh, business school course and it was really, really great. And it really opened up my mind to the entrepreneurship aspect. Um, and it just, for me, I was able to relate it to self-publishing and just writing a bunch of different ideas down from his um, courses. So, um, you know, what worked out was he was, you know, he was able to sign the documentation, um, Andre C. Hatchett, he was able to sign the, doc- the documentation that I needed for the program. And then my, uh, my husband was also able to be my coach and sign the necessary documentation because he had his business. So yeah. in that aspect, I definitely was was, you know, regaining that self-esteem because I never had, um, uh, I I call it investing in myself in that way and the benefits I started to be able to rebuild myself. Um, But yeah, that that, uh, program helped me and pushed me into, all right, this is what entrepreneurship is. How can I apply it to self-publishing and publishing in general? Right. Yeah. You know, before all of this, um, like, did you ever see yourself being an entrepreneur? Oh, um, great question. So I I will say yes, but um, I definitely thought about it as something I'll do later in life. So I actually, my senior year, I took a a course in entrepreneurship and I had to drop that class (laughs) because um, it just didn't fit in my schedule. But I had that deep interest Um, since college. I just wasn't able to figure out how I would actually apply it and make it a reality. So um, I was curious about it, very, very curious about it. But again, in my mind, I was thinking that would be something that I'll do later on, you know, when I get older. Um, And then when I actually did get into it, it was something that felt like, yes, this is definitely what I want to do. Okay, okay. Now, yeah. now tell me, like, you know, what was it like for you when it all kind of like what when was that moment that, you know, it all started to make sense? Like, OK, yes, this is the right thing for me. Like, was it, you know, 
Um, did you have like clients hitting you up for, you know, consulting or something? Yeah. You know, what was that like? Yes, definitely. So once I, I, I published my first book, uh, Back to Kukrentumi, which is a collection of poems, yeah. I published that and the feedback that I got was so good. Um, yeah. And so, you know, once you self-publish too, and this goes for anybody, <laughs> once you self-publish, people are going to ask you about that experience and process and they're going to want to know. Um, and for me, that was just that clear. It just clicked because I had, like, it was a new world. I had never experienced anything like this before. Um, and, you know, the feet, you know, helping other people with their manuscripts, um, I got referrals, a word of mouth um, started to benefit me a lot. Yeah. So, you know, I was helping um, my friends with their personal statements and the editing feedback, they were very satisfied with the work that they were getting from me. So I got a, uh, my first poetry client, I got another poetry client and it just was all the signs were there that, yes, yeah. this is what I need to be doing um, because, you know, my clients were satisfied with what I was giving, what I was putting out. And I was growing at the same time of doing that, learning more, engulfing myself in um, everything, self-publishing, everything, just being in that world, understanding what's going on, understanding how fast things move, how fast things change, it felt right. The timing definitely was, you know, there. Yeah, that's that's fire. That's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, like, when you say, uh, like, when you say, pub, like, poetry clients, like, were you, like, helping them learn how to write poetry? Like, how did that work? Um, so that's a great question. So um, initially with my first client, my second client, they had already written manuscripts. So yeah. they already had a collection of poems and they come to me, uh, they come to Amakosawa for us to turn that manuscript into uh, uh, basically a, a book that, you know, reads well, uh, minimal to no um, spelling errors, punctuation. They're coming for me to fix, um, you know, if their poem, when you read it, does it flow? All of that, basically digging deep into their actual work yeah. um, and then creating the table of contents, the copyright um, about the author, um, acknowledgements page, just making it into a full complete manuscript. That's what they were coming to me for. So, you know, maybe this line doesn't really make sense or, yeah. um, you know, this poem ended abruptly. We need some more things. That's what they're coming for me um, to do. And similar to um, my clients who were looking for uh, personal statements, the, the um, schools that they apply to have a prompt of questions, you know, and we want to make sure that you're answering those questions efficiently and effectively with the characters that they give you. So you want to make sure you can articulate your point in a, in a, in a, a precise manner. Um, you want to be clear and you want to show your intentions because they're asking you should we pick you for the school and yeah. we help them you know clarify um as as clear as they why what they bring to the table and making the reading process for whoever is reading that enjoyable and engageable okay now yeah. now tell me like when it comes to being articulate like what do you think it is like you know especially like consider your clients um and just people in general what do you think it is that people kind of miss about that Oh, ah, that's a great question. So I would say um, the the I would say it's it's hard to um, 
to to be your own perspective like because yeah. you're gonna and and this applies to me as a writer too because i have editors um yeah. but it's hard for you to be objective to your work because you can look at something and it'll look right and when you you know give it to someone or even if you take some time away step away from it and come back to it you're going to see what needs to be fixed and so it's it's kind of just like you know a human aspect to your own yeah. work um it's hard to be objective and you're gonna need that uh you know that professional assistance to be clear about what you have on the page okay makes uh, sense yeah yeah that makes sense yeah okay um now kind of like a conversation shift like, like let's talk about poetry um how how did you get into that Oh man, yeah. So I actually got into poetry in college. Yeah. Um, I was a writer since I was young, since uh, eighth grade. Actually, I'll take that back, since uh, sixth grade, seventh grade. But I was yeah. not into poetry that much. I actually was intimidated by poetry when I was younger and I didn't really get it. <laughs> I didn't really understand it. Um, but um, when I got to college, I took a... Uh, um, a poetry one-on-one course yeah. and I just fell in love. I just fell in love. I wrote my first poem about cayenne pepper. <laughs> I wrote my okay. first poem about cayenne pepper and um, what was so intimate about it. It was the first time that I actually like took intentional time to smell cayenne pepper, to observe its color, to observe how it looks on a vine before it's grounded into seasoning, like yeah. really break it down. And that process, I had never been through something like that to actually focus on something like cayenne pepper and write a poem about it that's that me, that, that people enjoy, like to this day, people enjoy that poem. And like, I enjoy that poem because, um, you know, I, I had to describe how the season and the sound that it shakes when you shake up um, season in the bottle. And, and, and just that whole experience for me, I mean, I didn't look back. And I mean, I majored in English with the emphasis in creative writing. Um, yeah. It was definitely an emphasis in poetry. And um, I started to realize that, you know, there's real true structure and intent and um, like savviness with language that poetry, you know, um, that poetry reveals, creates influences, whatever word. Um, so, yeah, I mean, once once I um, took my first class, I took um, you know, all the, the following classes as you go up on the level uh, from freshman year to senior year. And then, yeah, um, yeah since then I've, I've loved, I've been a huge fan of poetry. And then now yeah. I'm into the spoken world, the spoken world, excuse me, the spoken yeah. word <laughs> world, <laughs> yeah. the spoken word, word world. And that is a new um, space that I am, you know, getting to know because the performance aspect to poetry is powerful, really, really powerful. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm getting into all of that. Yeah, that's fire. That, just because, <laughs> you know, poetry is definitely something like when I was younger, I used to write like a lot of poetry, but now I think I love listening to it more than um, wow. yeah like me and my wife we actually went to a 
Uh, we actually we actually went on a date, and this is place called the Artist Block. It's in mm. Greensboro, North Carolina, and we went on mm. a date, and we were there to like one o'clock watching different artists. It was amazing. I bet it was. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, yeah man. I I, yeah. I would have to say because I was um I was the poet that I wrote, but not necessarily performed. Yeah. And you know, I'm realizing, or I have realized that people want to see you perform your work and your work. Definitely. And yeah. my clients, oh my God, like they're just amazing. And uh, my first client, his name is Cito Blanco. I'm giving him a quick shout out. But like when I was, when I went to his book release, right? It was just an amazing experience to, cause. What's up guys? I hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, I want you to take a screenshot of yourself listening and I want you to tag at underscore the Black Both Media Pod. That'll be a big help as far as getting the message out. Also, I want you to go ahead and leave a five-star review and go ahead and subscribe. And let's get back to the show. You know, the experience of seeing the words, but yeah. to see him perform that is just a different level. Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, speaking of, of uh, performing, how were you able to kind of transition from, you know, just writing it yes. to, you know, stepping on that stage and standing yes. in front of people? Oh, uh, well, um, what's so funny. So my first experience with stepping on stage was my senior year in college. And yeah. that was a part of um, our senior thesis. Like that was one of, you know, the final um, hoorahs, if you will. But yeah. um, I, I pretty much had to, <laughs> pretty much had to. And um, man, it, it was nerve wracking. But to me, I thought about it, um, about being on stage because I was a dancer. Like the way that yeah. I was expressing myself was dance. Um, and so I know the feeling of getting on stage. And so I'm like, all right, you're not using your body. Well, not necessarily because body movement is a part of performing poetry, but yeah, yeah, um, you're using your words more than anything. You're using your words. And so I had to pretty much just shift my mind into that aspect of it. And um, I was around a group of, you know, uh, the audience were, were my peers. So, and I was able to enjoy other people's works as well. But um, just getting over that whole hoopla. And then, you know, after I was done performing, the feedback that I got was really, really good. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, okay, so I, I actually did well. And I'm someone who, um, you know, records myself performing before I actually perform. So I, I will practice. And even with my presentations, I'll practice before I actually present. Um, and, you know, you get to see, oh, maybe I should, you know, use my face a little bit more when I say this word but people were really receptive to my work and to that performance and um that was you know something that kind of was uh in the back of my mind like okay you actually can do this yeah that's fire that's fire yeah. um now now how long does it take you like say you, you you write a poem and you you you're finished and you're satisfied with it and you're ready to perform how long does it take you to actually you know get it down in your head without looking at paper. Oh, God. <laughs> Adrian, I'm still working on that. I mean, Adrian, excuse me. No, I said Adrian. Oh, no. Adrian. Yeah, you said it right. You said it right. 
Um, I'm still working on that. I'm still working on that. So the memorization part, oh my goodness. The memorization part um, comes with time, at least for me it did. Yeah. And um, it it came with repetition, 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 repetition. That was what I needed to get my poem stuck in my head. Um, And recording myself, listening to it, repetition, repetition, repetition. But I was... Definitely the look, I was the reader while I hold my book. Um, and, you know, it doesn't look the best <laughs> compared yeah. to someone who is not uh, holding their book while they recite their poem. So I had to, you know, get out of my comfort zone with that aspect. But I'm still working on that till this day because I only know two poems by heart that I've written. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and can recite. Um, and so I want to be able to, you know, get my poems into my own brain and, to, and, and into my own memory. And um, it takes repetition. It takes repetition and being intentional with sitting down and um, saying my poems over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, let's talk about your books. You've written three books. Tell, tell yeah. us about those. All right. Yeah. So um, um, Back to Kukrentami, that was my very first book, a collection of poems. Um, And it basically talks about, you know, my Ghanaian American identity as well as womanhood. Um, And um, it's definitely a book that is really that's relatable to anyone with a hyphenated identity, but also to, you know, Harlem. Um, I talk about Harlem a lot and in, in back to Kukrentsumi because that's where I was raised. Um, yeah. But I had the immigrant, you know, um, experience growing up being from Ghana, West Africa, and, um, you know, navigating how my parents were raised, um, their culture, their language, traditions, food, and relating that to the outside world, being a yeah. child who wants to blend in, um, being a child who wants to fit in. And um, Harlem is so unique. Oh my God, Harlem was, you know, it shaped me in so many ways. And I had to find the harmony between my two identities. Um, And, you know, I was able to make friends, of course, you know, having to deal with xenophobia, getting over that and, you know, to be a positive, um, you know, having a positive outlook to that whole um, experience, because at the end of the day, I mean, I'm talking about being a child and, you know, other children, and we're all kind of navigating our um, own experiences as well. And it's just, you know, growing, you know, getting older to finally be able to release that um all of that because it was a lot but um yeah. that's basically you know what back to Kukrentumi um delves in with uh so I actually um I wrote my second book Dear Nice Girl uh which is a collection excuse me it's a, a I'm a coastal motivational quote book and it is 50 letters uh 50 passages explaining the letters And um, I also have blank pages throughout the book for the reader to write down the thoughts that spark. So that, yeah, that book um, basically was birthed out of me writing letters on Instagram. And um, I was addressing myself as Dear Nice Girl. Um, 
And it got amazing feedback. Like people were really engaged in the comments um, telling me, I like this letter. I like this letter. Even my husband was, you know, he'll see it and he'll be like, oh, wow, I really like this letter today. So um, we were talking a bit uh, about it one day and he was like, I think you should, um, I think you should collect the letters and I think you should make 50 of them and then explain the, you know, explain the meaning behind each letter. And it just clicked. I loved, I loved that idea. And I thought that was great at that, at the time, I believe I had like, you know, 10 to 12 letters already. So, um, I went ahead and I just started going in with the letters and writing more, writing more. And, and it, people were just really receptive. And, um, I got to my 50, my 50 letters and my, um, 50 passages and I was able to release Dear Nice Girl. <clears throat> and that basically is about, you know, basically just accepting my, um, my nice girl behavior, uh, yeah. something that was pointed out to me a lot in my leadership roles. Um, Cause for me, I had to understand, you know, my life, my circumstances and just my identity. So um, for me, I saw that people viewed niceness um, in, in a more negative way than in a positive way. So, you know, yeah. my book, I say people see it as a liability. Here's how you can, you know, use it as an asset. And Ooh. so I was able to create a brand around um, something that society has shown me, right, that is not beneficial to leadership positions. But I've continuously found myself in leadership uh, in leadership. Uh, positions basically um, my whole adulthood and even in high school and even in middle school. Um, So, you know, I had to navigate and understand, all right, so society tells me that being nice won't get me to be the leader that is expected. And this is the type of leadership that people prefer, blah, 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 whatever the case was. But I was able to lay it out and actually... um, build it around entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship has a lot with leadership, being yes. a forward thinker, being, you know, in, uh, innovative and different things like that. So for me, in order to establish any type of authority, any type of authenticity, I need to just lay that on the table. And that's what Dear Nice Girl did for me. Um, I was able to show how I was navigating um, nice girl behavior. I created a whole hashtag, nice girls doing boss things. And um, I was able to collect, um, excuse me, I was able to write letters to other women in my life who exhibit nice girl behavior um, and are bosses. And it's an, you know, showing that's an asset, not not a liability. And it's a motivational quote book to be able to help other women who are entrepreneurs, who, you know, want to be authorpreneurs as well. And, you know, how to actually navigate that journey with accepting your nice girl behavior and, you know, creating that authority that, Yes, I'm nice, but I also am a boss and I know how to get down right. to business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and then my latest, latest book, um, Why Every Pregnant Woman Should Write a Book, uh, which is definitely um, my, my biggest book so far. And um, that was, you know, obviously birthed from my experience of getting fired while I was pregnant yeah. with my daughter. Um, 
but basically um, that's a product book. Uh, I'm a Coastal product book, but I detail the I'm a Coastal 11 steps to publishing and I break down um, all of the steps that you'll need in order to publish. And I also break down to women um, how to advocate for women before they are pregnant, while they are pregnant and after they give birth. Um, the one question that I get constantly um, and instantly one, once people hear that title is, okay, well, why should every pregnant woman should write a book? Yeah. And um, I break down the financial benefits of writing a book, the emotional, mental, and physical benefits of writing a book that um, can benefit uh, pregnant women and mothers. Um, and so I include the story of four other women who have played a tremendous role in my pregnancy uh, yeah. journey and uh, who have stories to tell as well that is so powerful and so needed. Um, and they, you know, they helped me share that book and share our stories with the world. Oh, that's fire. That's yeah. fire. Now, yeah. um, what I wanted to say about, about your, your second book uh, Dear Nice Girl, I think it's dope how you were able to like kind of turn the tables on society. Yes. Kind of just, you know, let them know that, you know, okay, I might be nice, but look where I am. I'm in a exactly. position. You know what I'm saying? I, I like that. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, um, man. When I read that book, sometimes I'm like, wow. Because <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. simple, you know, with letters, but it's so meaningful with every time I go back and I can flip through a letter and flip through a passage, it's like, wow. Yeah. That's fire. Yeah. Now, um, how long, you know, matter of fact, you know, what was the process like, like when it comes to, when it came to publishing the books, like how long of a process is that? Yes. So um, I would say um, I, I, I take about, um, not I take about, because WebSwap was different, but yeah. writing back to Kukrin to me and Dear Nice Girl um, took about four months okay. and um, to, to write. Now the publishing part and the, you know, gearing up towards the publish publishing part is actually yeah. more significant than the actual writing. That's very ironic, but um, it's, um, you, you want to give yourself at least, at least 12 months. Yeah. Right? So you, you can write a book in four months. You know, I know I'm sure you've seen um, be an author in 48 hours and 30 days. I don't myself uh, ascribe to that. Um, yeah. And I prepare my clients to expect to become published within 12 months. Um, now, if you have a manuscript already, it's totally different because now you're just um, getting the editing and, you know, we can work on your pre-order strategy, your release date plan. But this yeah. is basically the example I'm using is from zero to, you know, published. Um, so that's including the writing process. Um, yeah. but, uh, you want to give yourself 12 months. And even if you go the traditional route, you, they, they, um, you want to give yourself 12 to 18 months. So, um, I would say you want to prepare yourself for a year to publish your book because once you're done writing, then comes the marketing and the, the release date strategy, your pre-order strategy, your mailing list, uh, slash newsletters, um, and just the marketing aspect, you know, to get the hype generated, uh, make sure you have your stock images, your description, all of that plays a role into actually publishing. Okay. Okay. Now, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, speaking of speaking of like the marketing tactics, you know, 
what are some things people can do? Like, say, you know, somebody that's listening right now, they might be writing a book and they've kind of halted. Um, mm. What's something like they can do as far as marketing to kind of build up some hype? Oh, I would say if you can have, uh, if you can set aside an ad budget, uh, ad budget that will um, benefit you for sure. If you can set aside an ad budget yeah. and, um, you know, I know running ads can be difficult. It's still difficult for me to, to this day, but um, you want to be able to hone in on your target audience because yeah. that is going to limit you from spending money where you probably shouldn't have. Right. So with all of my clients, the first thing that we establish is who this book is for. Because that affects how you market and who you market to, the language, all of that. And so if you're stuck in a rut, I would say hone in on, be very uh, specific. I, I go, um, I do a target reader avatar with my clients. And yeah. so we pick a name for their ideal reader. We um, come up with, you know, where do they live? How much money do they make? Um you know, what is a, a quote that will resonate with them? What kind of blogs do you think they read? Um, all of that goes into, you know, who you're going to market to. Age, you want to make sure it's uh, reasonable, right? Because you don't want to have such a big age range where now you're trying to target 16-year-olds and 25-year-olds. It's, it's yeah. really not. Um, there's no correlation there. Right. So, you know, if you're speaking to women who are in their early 20s, then that that, that may mean uh, 20 to 24. If you're speaking to women in their older um, who are, you know, maybe older then you might be thinking 25 to 34. So yeah. you just want to be as specific as possible because that's going to help you in the long run with marketing. So, you know, exactly who you're targeting. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure, you know, I, I hope somebody like definitely value that because you definitely dropped some game right there. Um, <laughs> yes. so, so yeah, like my, one of my last questions, my last question to you is, um, you know, what kind of advice would you give to somebody that wants to start a publishing business, like a book mm. publishing business? Yes. I say go for it 100%. Um, and the advice I would give is to um, have a consultant yourself. Yeah. Um, you are the consultant and you're going to establish yourself as an expert, but you also want to have someone. Um, I, would, I would say a logistics consultant would be ideal. Um, just someone who is able to consult with you about the logistical aspect of um, yeah. having and running a publishing company. Um, and if it's not a logistics consultant, you know, maybe an accountant, just someone who is knowledgeable enough about the business aspect of it to be able to guide you. That's really important. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Akosu, I appreciate you for giving me this opportunity to interview you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for interviewing me too and taking the time out. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you for reaching out. That was, I thought that was pretty dope. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, so, uh, you know, say like if somebody kind of, you know, if you have somebody that's listening right now that kind of wants to work with you or um, just kind of get some info, how can they reach you, whether it be by email or social media? Absolutely. Uh, so by email, you can reach me at akosua at casaberry.com. That's A-K-O-S-U-A at casaberry.com. Uh, on social media, my handle is at 
I'm underscore Akosua across all platforms. So that is I am underscore A-K-O-S-U-A. I'm Akosua. Okay. Well, Akosua, again, thank you. And, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Adrian. Yeah, yeah no problem. All right, guys, I hope you guys were able to uh, enjoy the episode. I hope everybody learned something. Um, man, y'all definitely, you know, uh, somebody should be taking notes. Somebody should be taking notes. Because, guys, it was definitely a lot to learn. Um, and, and that's it. That's all I got to say. You know, that's the end of the episode. And we're going to get up out of here. Peace. Peace. <laughs> all right. What's up, guys? It's me again. So tell me, what did you think about the show? I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I would love for you to take a screenshot and tag at underscore the Black Wealth Media Pod and share this on your Instagram stories with your friends. That would be very appreciated. Also, go inside the podcast app to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and a five-star review. This helps us get the message across all over the world so more people can listen. On top of that, I really do hope you guys enjoy the show. And I'll see you next week on the Blackwell Media Podcast.